Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Good everyone, how are you going? Uh, Phil Tarrant here, co-host of Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I'm joined with my cohorts, partners in crime, I don't know what you call them, probably more talented than me, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar, directors at Right Property Group. Gentlemen, how are you going? You well? That's a better introduction than last week. Months where he said we had no talent, so yeah, we're off to a good start. I, yeah. th- I think he probably hasn't had his coffee just yet. That's I, probably I think this is the reason issue, right? Yeah. You know, it's um, you got to wind me up a little bit, and and hopefully I can be a little bit more engaging and entertaining than usual. Yeah, we hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> well, much uh, like most things in life, uh, Stephen, you got to get the basics right, don't you? Yes, we do. You do, and um, I've been sort of thinking about contemplating this. I've been looking over my portfolio. I was actually doing some work on it this morning, and um, <laughs> I'm not getting the basics right. You know, I'm not too good on the uh, the administration side of things and keeping up with it. But it sort of got me contemplating around, you know, what the good investors do. And I'm quite fortunate to be able to have you guys at uh, on speed dial and give you a call and see what's going on. And you work with investors every day, so I thought, um, you know, we've been getting stuck into what the media's been saying, what the economy's been doing, what Parliament is doing, where we're heading and stuff recently. But this is all good and a lot of, a lot of really important information that as a uh, holistic property investor, you've got to be right across it. But sometimes we often forget what the basics are. I really wanted to chat about that today. Sounds good. If that Sounds works with you. And uh, I'm going to steal one of your terms, Victor, uh, design your decade. And I'll get you to articulate exactly what that is. But, you know, for me... It's just getting back to the basics, you know, the, getting the building blocks right when you start out property investing to make sure that at the other end of it, when you want to start maybe slowing down a little bit or, or you know, getting a little bit more freedom in your life and some cash in your back pocket, that if you get the basics right at the front end, you get the back end right. So what mm. does design your decade mean, Victor? Look, it, Is it um, your term or Steve's? It's actually Steve's term, oh, okay. not, well, you, not you my term. Right? 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 Still all my good gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'll let Steve explain. No, 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 where are you going okay, now? All right, I'll do it. Yeah, so no, Steve's ground truth. Your, your thing's talking about ground truth. All right, no, I'm, I'm going to claim. Victor, you can own this one. You can own this one. All right, yeah. I'll have a seat. Yep. Yeah, all right. The next so, hour. Yeah. Sit on the couch, get some consulting. <laughs> yeah. A little waterfall. Break out the little... <laughs> yeah. So if you look if you look at designer decade, the reason why it came about is that most people they ride on this fallacy of properties doubling every seven or nine or ten years, right? But the reality of it is that when you're setting up a portfolio, there's there's several facets to it. The very first is obviously planning, then you need to implement the plan by setting a strategy in place and then the strategy is implemented by acquiring the properties and then of course you need to consolidate the debt and it doesn't happen overnight and there's a lot of chopping and changing planned chopping and changing along the way so for someone to be really successful in property investing and not end up in the 1.8 million property investors which only own one property to be able to own multiple properties and not just own property to actually get the fruits of their labor there needs to be a planned progression in the journey and you need to map out the whole 10 years and then reverse engineer it back to the quarter as to what's happening this quarter in your portfolio, whether you're not buying anything, where you're still in the planning phases, where you're still getting finance. And and that way, you even out all the bumps in the journey, such as changes in the economy, changes in your circumstances, changes in your appetite, whether it is it is a more voracious appetite or whether you said, you know what, I've gone too hard, I need to ease back now. And that's really important that we actually plan all of that out. And hence, 
hence design the decade. Whereas most people, you're not putting a time frame, not putting any time pressure mm. on yourself. And therefore life happens. And before you know it, 10, 20 years have gone by and you've just bought one property, maybe, maybe bought a couple and then sold out. Look, that, that all sounds pretty reasonable, Victor, but to play devil's advocate, it's only once you've been in property for some time and maybe you've got a decade that you can probably go back and think about designing your decade. And I, I talk from my experience, mm-hmm. when I kicked off, I didn't have a decade planned. I just went, oh, yeah, okay, I better start investing in property. You know, I'll buy something. And then as I become more educated and mm-hmm. more informed and, and more connected with people that knew what they were doing, i.e. you guys, I started thinking a little bit more strategically that, mm-hmm. like that. Is, is it okay to do that? or do Absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. That's how most people actually start, right? Is, is um, These days, it's a little bit different because there's a lot of education around. There's a lot of podcasts that, that are around. There are a lot of courses around that are freely available. Whereas in the yesteryears, that was not the case. So most people started and then put a plan together. I think right now it's unforgivable if you start and not have a plan first mm. because of the amount of information around. So most investors start without a plan, but then they're not aiming towards anything. And, and that's, that's the main message that we want to convey is that if you haven't started with the end in mind, whatever it looks like, uh, like to you, then really you're heading towards a disaster. So what does this plan need to look like? Is it just a... Um is it up in your brain and you sort of know what you're doing uh, or do you need to, is it a one pager, you write it down or is it a complicated dossier of information? Like, you know, it's a, it's a practical tool and I completely agree with you, mm. you need to plan because unless you plan, you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there, right? So, yeah. and it's okay to change. It's as, absolutely as go, okay to change. You know, right? you've got to start. Yeah, that's right. Start yeah. So how would you start off doing this? Look, if it's a complex plan, if it's, you know, tons and tons of spreadsheets and 40-year projections and all that sort of stuff, it's not a plan. Yeah, okay. it's, it's just a wish list, yeah? It needs to be able to be put down on one page, right? This is where I am, this is what needs to happen, this is where we're heading, this is the end result. And then you flesh it out per quarter as to what's happening with that. And certainly, most people tend to make the plan a bit too complicated in the sense that there's too many variables, there's too many too many what's and ifs. And, and in fact, they don't even correct, Steve, for um, life changes or uh, even economy changes or as, as the portfolio matures, like yeah, yours and mine, they're fairly mature portfolio. So we're not, we're not necessarily buying the baseline properties anymore. We are buying more sophisticated strategy uh, um, strategy properties. So Steve, the question is, can I just, can I go and get a plan off the shelf? Can I go give me plan number A um, and I'll use someone else's plan and just follow that roadmap or is every roadmap unique? Look, I think on the surface, yes, you could, but it wouldn't be advantageous because mm. everyone's situation is is quite unique. I mean, to get a plan, just go on the internet, go into one of the social forums and there'll be a gazillion people that will share their plan with you and you mm. can adapt. But I'm a big believer in nobody knows someone else's circumstance other than themselves. So why not adapt a plan or create a plan based on you and where you want to be? But I want to go back a little bit to what Vic was saying about the quarters because there's roughly, well, not roughly, there is 40 quarters over mm. the decade. And that each of those quarters gives a perfect opportunity to refine. And review. To review and, if necessary, pivot. And so for us, the plan is also about having the ability to be able to pivot because you don't know what four years from here holds in terms of market conditions, interest rates, your own personal you know, scenario. So you need to be able to create a plan that have an implement of a strategy that gives you the ability to be able to pivot based on your circumstance at that time and not have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So the plan actually gives you the architecture to 
readjust, recalibrate and change depending on life circumstances, situations, the economy, markets, whatever. So it actually gives you that mechanism to do that. That's the key part of the plan. Well, it is because- Gives you diligence. Yeah, because there are some strategies out there that don't give you the luxury to be able to pivot. Mm. Or actually, the only form of pivot is to sell. And as an investor, that's the last thing that you really want to do. And this goes back to the, the number of different strategies available to a property investor, and, and I agree with you on that regard. There are some plans that unless you're all in, you can't break it. You can't. You, if you go all in, yeah, you're in, and that's dangerous. And it's dangerous. It's, it's highly risky, and it might suit some people. I wouldn't. Not that I'd do any recommendation at all, but I, I'd be really hesitant of that. But these are normally the the plans or the strategies and in inverted commas for those that can't see see me doing that. No one really knows. It's so mysterious and it's it's real secret source stuff and you've got to pay a lot of money in order to get that secret plan and and often they're the investors who probably aren't doing as well as what they can do. And, and if you're mm-hmm. paying for the plan like you've described, mm-hmm. um, it's probably not worth it anyways because there is no secret and this is the key. There is no secret. It just takes a little bit of time or a lot of time yeah. to sit yourself down with the right people that can help you formulate that plan and then implement it. So you should have a plan to create a plan. Pretty much the first, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the first thing in property investing. So I want to be in property investor. Your first thing should be to create a plan to be. I actually don't a mind that. Investor. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind that analogy because once you've decided that you want to perhaps explore property as an mm-hmm. investment vehicle, well then you go in all in into your research and your diligence and find out if that's for you. And once you have decided that property is going to be it, well then find the right people that can help you do the plan. Okay, so we all agree that. You need to plan. Planning, what's that thing? Plan. If you fail to plan, plan you plan, to, plan fail. to fail. And uh, but then again, there's another good saying, which is uh, imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. Right. Absolutely. So don't let the plan mm. overtake your ability to get stuff done. Yeah. Well, that's hence, a hence fine my, line. Yeah. Hence my comment uh, earlier that you know it's okay to get started and then refine, mm. but it does slow you down. Right? The better option, given all the education that's available and all the advice that's available now, it's better to plan first. And then start. Don't don't try and play catch up just because you've seen media articles all the yeah, time that point. someone's making you know good equity gains or good cash flow in a particular area and you try and jump in. You need to first of all step back and say, okay, how does that relate to me in, in my own personal circumstances before I start implementing? Because it could be that you get committed to that and then realize it's actually the wrong avenue. Mm. Uh, and there, there would have been a better strategy for what you are trying to achieve based on your life circumstances. And I think even if you just break it down to simple steps, you know, crawl before you walk, walk yeah, before you run, and don't go all in. And it's not a matter of an end result being, well, I want to own 100 properties. If that's what it looks like for you, you know, awesome. But it's not for everybody. It might be simply mm-hmm. three properties. It might be two. It might be a property. But the beauty of the plan actually gets rid of the chance of procrastination. Mm. And most of us at one way, shape or form are procrastinators. Yeah. I know I was. And if I didn't have someone pushing me or helping me create a plan, I still wouldn't have done it. So so, so, so a good investor will ask help to create a plan if they can't plan themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. A good investor should always ask for help anyway. I think mm. there is nobody out there that has done it themselves without making monumental mistakes mm-hmm. or leaned on someone mm. or looked up to someone or researched something. It's not a luck of the draw scenario. Well, let's have a chat about that and using my experience, I'm happy to chat about it and every property I've purchased has been through a buyer's agent and mortgage broker and you've always been my buyer's agent from the first property through to, you know, the most recent stuff. So, you know, would you say, Steve, mine, and we work pretty closely on the portfolio, I didn't really have a plan to start with. When did I start sort of planning or would you argue differently saying, yeah, well, I'd you say that you did. a plan? Yeah, yeah, because your personality denotes that 
whilst on the surface you may react and you can morph and pivot and everything mm. like that, you there's a lot of thought process behind it. Yeah. And so that part of the plan had already formulated within your mind. I hadn't documented that. But you hadn't yeah. documented, which is, I don't think that's the be all and end all, but no. yeah, as long as it's set in cement yeah, in your head at the very least. Mm. But once you decided to pull the trigger, you had to go through the finance process, then you had to yeah, start the diligence process. And from there, it just started to snowball into mm. what we have today as a thorough plan. Where the plan needs to pivot, though, whether it's you, me, Vic, anybody for that matter, is when that end point is, because mm -hmm. between the start and the finish, there are going to be thousands of changes within our own lives, which are going to denote which way the plan needs to pivot. Mm. So yeah. the plan shouldn't be too rigid. No, no. So I'm going to call you on the plan as well, yeah, because good. if you recall, um, you, me and Alex sat down and we, we did a initial plan right in the beginning. And then, uh, of course, um, we brought in Steve's input as well mm. uh, and then mapped it all out. Uh, in Bit a of a bench player, right? apparently. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, but if you go back, right, what we've achieved now is probably nowhere to what the initial plan no. was because it's changed because we've adjusted and pivoted for any market change, change in the business, change in the circumstances. And of course, as the portfolio grows, it changes the dynamics of it. So you need to then slot in another property that fits into that dynamic rather than the original pre-planned property. Mm -hmm. So the, the planning gives you the infrastructure, so the, the architecture of it. And then we are then coming back and fitting in the uh, fittings in there, so like putting in the kitchen and the bathrooms and all that, and, and choosing the tiles and all that. That that yeah. becomes the the ongoing reviews and ongoing pivoting in terms of okay, we decided that we are going to have one bathroom, but in this we are, we have a bathroom and an ensuite, mm. right? Because the markets change and that's what they want, right? So that's that's how it really plans. So if we go back, uh, Steve, if we take a uh, leaf of, out of our book in terms of sitting down with the client, regardless of whether they've had a portfolio, they already have a portfolio, or whether they're starting from scratch, we still get them to think of the end game as to forget the time frame. What's it looking in the end? Is it number of properties, which we strongly say, no, don't aim for that? Or is it the income, which we're strongly saying, aim for that? Because mm. think of it this way, right? If you're aiming for the equity or the number of properties, people invest to enhance their lifestyle. Mm. You can sugarcoat it any which way you like, but that's what they invest for, right? Whether it is for them or for their kids, but it is for lifestyle reasons. And if you're looking at equity and number of houses and all that sort of stuff and, and which states you own in, it's not enhancing your lifestyle. It's, it's certainly creating wealth perhaps, but not enhancing lifestyle. So if you concentrate on the end cash flow, that's your lifestyle and the wealth actually happens in the background. So don't get hung up with the number of properties that you're going to buy or where you're going to buy. It's the outcome that you're after. And a lot of people get carried away with the, the number of properties you go to any any sort of chat sort of forums, whatever. Mm. It's, you know, the, the currency for success for a lot of people in property investment is how many properties you got. I think that's the biggest fallacy. I think there. didn't the AFR bring out that's the new wealth indicator for the Australian population mm -hmm. is well, the, the barbecue, properties, barbecue chat about how many properties that you own? I got ten two hundred thousand dollar properties versus one two million dollar property. So yeah, and, yeah. And, and there's the inconsistency, right? So it's yep. more of an ego play, mm. more more so than anything else. But I just think that, and Vic, you touched on it about the amount, not concentrating on the amount of front doors, but the cash flow it produces. Mm. But you can only get the cash flow right if you go back to that quarterly review, Correct. if you will, and keep monitoring everything because you can have all the equity in the world, but if you don't have the cash flow to sustain the growth. 
you've actually got nothing. You become a statistic. Mm. And I think that statistic is investors really only own properties for about five years. Yeah. Which is because they've, far they've too short. Wrong. Yeah. Well, they haven't, they perhaps they haven't budgeted correctly mm-hmm. in all senses, but yeah. that comes back to the design of decade. If the average investor holds their property for five years, they're really not going to see any benefit mm-hmm. at all. So why decade then? Why design your decade? Why not design your- because it rhymed. Years. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think a decade's a really good planning stage and the decade is the planning. And, and Vic mm. mentioned it earlier on about, yeah, people want to get tied up in property doubles every seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. And we just don't buy into that. Personally, I've had properties double in 12 months and I have properties mm. that are still worth, or a property that's still worth the same as what I bought it 18 years ago. And happy to chat about that anytime. Mm. It um, he's hurt. Why that isn't he? You got one of those. He's well, mentally mate. scarred. I'm, not, I'm I'm living with it. I'm, I'm, I I'm see a couch yeah. just over there. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about some counselling. Yeah. It's um, but it's it's very very important that you're continually adjusting, continually reviewing. Otherwise, where are you going? Like l- literally, mm. if you want to buy one property and just tuck it in your back pocket and then look at it again in 30 years' time, you'll do okay. Mm. But if it's provided it's in the right area, yeah, fundamentally yeah. correct mm-hmm. and, and what have you. But if you are actually using property as a vehicle, well, then you need to really pay attention because it'll bite you hard if you treat it as a passive investment. Mm. So this process of creating a plan or design your decade, it's okay to, to your point, every quarter you should really be reflecting. You know, you might start your decade each quarter, right, and sort of mm. plan for the next decade, whatever it is. But, you know, let's just assume, Victor, there's people sitting, listening to us right now going, okay, this all sounds really good. I, I get it in theory. I understand the, the process and the reason why I'm doing it. How do you go about doing it? So whether or not you've got zero properties or five properties, mm-hmm. you could probably get a pen and paper out now and and hopefully you're listening to this drinking a pina colada somewhere on a beach, but uh, <laughs> most of us are probably not doing that. But <laughs> So if you pulled out a blank sheet of paper and, mm-hmm. and a pen, what would be the sort of four or five headlines that you need to fill in underneath, you know, the gaps Absolutely. To, to work it out? Yeah. So the, the very first thing you need to um, itemise is what's in your kitty to begin with, mm-hmm. right? So how much capital have you got to get started? How much negative cash flow tolerance per week can you pre-tax? Tolerate? Yeah, pre-tax. Yeah. And certainly, how much time are you going to give yourself in terms of the end game as to coming up to the end goal? Then you decide your goal as to. And my suggestion is that you know, if you're struggling, start off with your gross salary as your end cash flow goal, and then you can reverse engineer it to that. But oh, it, so you're saying that what you're earning now, mm-hmm. you can say, okay, when you choose That's to- That's a good aiming point. It's a great aim, yeah, yeah. because it's tangible. Yeah. Okay. It might not be the ultimate, but right here as mm-hmm. of today, it's a tangible You're used to living to, with that income. Yeah, to yeah, aim. Yeah. But things will change. And this is, yeah. and that's critical that mm. people understand that, that things will change. Again, today's wage is just the tangible point for you to begin the plan. Mm. But even if we reverse, just come back a little bit in terms of the planning stage, and you mentioned about how much is in the kitty, part of the planning process might be actually getting right to begin with. So getting rid of that non-productive debt, paying down some credit cards, whatever it may look like to you, getting a pay increase, working a second job, Mm -hmm. that's the initial stage. That's even before the the real planning That's right, yeah. And and then you're also then sitting down in front of a good broker to map out how your finance is going to look, whether you can borrow, because it could be that you think that you can borrow half a million, a million, whereas the broker may turn around and say, actually, based on the leases that you hold right now, and, and we've had this situation, haven't we, Steve? I was just thinking yeah. that, yeah. Uh, you can only borrow 200, right? And, and 200, really, you'd be struggling in terms of which areas you'd be able to spend, especially if you're trying to just go metro. Mm. And With severely, the right yeah, yeah. severely constraining your property type as well. But, and even like, and you touched on the broker. So 
most people go to the broker as a reactive saying, well, I'm going to borrow or I have bought a property. After they get into contract. Yeah, after yeah. the fact. Or even if they just do it prior because they know they're going to buy a property. Mm. But what I suggest if you're in that pre-planning stage is actually seeing the broker about your circumstance there and then saying, what do I need to do to change my circumstance to be able to qualify for a loan? That's right. And that might take yeah. six months. In fact, we've got, we've got clients that have come to us 18 months ago mm. and say, what do I need to do to get going? I've got this as it stands now, which it potentially may not be enough, but what do I have to do? And we'll set them a plan and they'll come back in 18 months and literally say, right, I'm good to go now because I've done X, Y, and Z to put myself in a position to be able to borrow with deposits mm-hmm. and cash flow and, and whatever it may and be. that's because they know what they're aiming for in that phase. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So this whole pre-planning, so that's really just a self-assessment where you sit at the moment and how that's going to shape Potentially, what your plan might look like. Because self I mean, yes, it is self-assessment, but- it's one thing to self-assess and then not do anything about it. You, you actually okay. need to take the take steps. Take the action. Yep. And then so so once you know where you're at, you can start setting these goals. And, mm-hmm. and to your point, this goal might be, not how many properties you have, but at a point in time, you want to retire and generate the income that you're earning today. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad first goal because if you do it right, you should better grow. So that's the goal setting stage. So once yep. you've got the goals, so if that's the goal, that's mm-hmm. a pretty simple thing, right? I, mm-hmm. I just want to replace my income. That's a good yeah, goal. It's a good tangible goal. And, yeah. and the reason why we say aim for that is because when you ask most people, and this is this is based purely on, on experience dealing with multiples of investors over, over the last, what, 10, 15 years, mm. most people, their knee-jerk reaction is that I want $100,000 in income or I want, I want an equity of $2 million in my pocket, that mm. sort of thing, right? So it's not thought out in that sense. And because they may not have earned that money or, or the, the money that they're earning is a lot higher, they don't find it as tangible or significant and therefore it doesn't resonate with them and uh, they'll self-sabotage it because they're not used to it. And I think that's self-sabotage is such a crucial mm. expression because so many investors do it and that forces them to sell yeah. early or buy too many mm-hmm. on the opposite end of the page. But using the income, just coming back to that as that tangible goal to go for, that's the kind of the, the, we'll call it the passive income, even though I detest the word passive, but that's the initial goal. But even before that, it's actually controlling enough property, whatever that looks like, that actually replicates that income. Yep. So they're gross, a gross revenue. From so, the so if you set, set this goal, then so design your dec- decade in order to achieve the goal, you need to deploy a number of tactics in Correct. order to do that. So, Correct. so is that the next sort of big headline to tactics mm-hmm. to achieve that goal? Yes. Implementation. Yes. Implementation. So you've got the strategy now. Yeah. You know, and you've reverse engineered mm-hmm. it, and there's obviously multiple points within the strategy. But now it's time for the implementation, and so that might look in a very look. I'll come back in a very broad sense. It's Pre-plan, it's plan, it's strategize, it's then acquire, yep. it's consolidate. So that's implementation. Correct. Is the, the is acquire. So yep. my goal is to replace my income. The strategy to do that, I need to hold X number of- Yeah, based uh, on X, today. Based on today, I need, yep. to, I need to hold X value of property with no debt against it, which generates me 5% a year or somewhere. So that yeah, whatever that strategy. formula that you yep. want to use, because I know some people use different formulas, mm-hmm. but for us, we like to keep it as simple as we possibly can and say, well, the rent today is $100,000. That's what the gross rent return is. Yep. Now we've got to look to retiring the debt associated with it. Okay. Because I'm not a fan, while some debt will be trans, will happen with you, go with you into retirement, retirement. the ultimate is actually to have all titles mm. and this, have no debt. And this goes back to designing your decade. And to your point, Steve, you know, but probably doubling every eight to 12 years. It's a metric that's been banded around for many, many years. And for, some people, yeah. for some people, that, that might be the reality. But the logic of that is that 
you know, for every 10 years, your property should double. So if you sell a million bucks in 10 years' time, it's 2 million bucks. Mm. Another 10 years' time, that's 4 million bucks. And another 10 years' time, that's $8 million. So, you know, on that basis, every Australian should be able to get, if they start investing at a reasonable age, three property cycles to get to a point where you can turn that into $8 million. And if you keep your debt stable, retiring that debt is not too, too difficult. But it's, it's not, not normally how it works. But it's, no, theoretically, mm. yeah, potentially it could, but the cycle is different all over the country. So Sydney might have a cycle that's completely the opposite of WA or, or Brisbane or, or wherever it may mm. be. So all these cycles are mm. randomly moving, sometimes counter-cyclical, that gives you an advantage to be able to pivot and take advantage of these different cycles and therefore the different time periods. But in a theoretical world, you're correct. In a, you would go out and if it looked like you needed to own five properties unencumbered, as an example, well, you'd go out and buy five as quick as you could and then just wait for yep. you know, wait for them to double sell half pay the other half. Sort of yeah, but it doesn't yeah. happen that because mm. nothing is just lineal. And there will be some properties that outperform other properties in terms of their percentage growth. And you can it might be a zoning change or a secondary income change, which can potentially hamper or accelerate the end goal for yeah. you. Yeah, and it doesn't... But you can't rely on the property cycles to actually get you to a, to a, a cash flow position. Yeah. So you need to actively work towards physically unencumbering your property. So there'd be strategies that are advanced strategies down the track where you may be doing subdivisions, uh, strata subdivisions, renovations, and all that sort of stuff to actually retire the debt so that you're independent to a degree. You're independent of the property cycle because you're running your journey. Right. And with the constant reviews that we do and the constant changes and pivots that we do in the portfolio, that takes into account where the property market is and what type of property you're buying to fit into your portfolio to continue to, towards your goal so that you're not having to sit it out uh, when the market cools. Because all you're doing is really changing the type of property you're buying. Absolutely. And taking advantage of potential properties, that, mm-hmm. particular properties that you have in your portfolio. Yep. that might be reacting to a certain market condition in that particular area. And mm-hmm. you can't get that unless you're continually reviewing and adjusting mm-hmm. and knowing where, having a finger on the pulse of the market and your portfolio. That's right. That's right. So obviously we've got the finance, we've, we've got the um, uh, plan in place. The next thing is to strategize where to buy because by the time you've got the finance in place and all the plans, uh, market may have changed. changed. Yeah, correct. So you've got to sit down and then uh, strategize us to say, okay, yeah, here's my goal. Where does this fit? Which market? Is it Brisbane? Is it Melbourne? Is it Sydney? Is it somewhere else? And then you you drill back to what the metrics of the property. Is it a, a equity grab? Is it a cash flow issue? Uh, or is it just a simple buy and hold? Because we've got plenty of time because it also needs to tie back to your age as well as to how old you are when you get, mm. get started. The, the reality is that the earlier you start, the more sedate your journey can be. And the more- oh, I like that. Yeah. The earlier you start, the more sedate your journey can be. That's pretty cool. Mm. I know. You didn't pick that up, Phil. No, I was just thinking he's, about it. He's, your, a, little, he's uh, a little too sedate. You, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, but personally, I was just thinking, you better hurry up, Victor, because you look horribly old these days, mate. You better start hustling and- uh, <laughs> It's the shirt. <laughs> it's the- <laughs> get going is what I was actually thinking, whereas me and Steve have got time on our side. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, well, this, implement, this implementation, the sort of goal-setting stuff is- the nice stuff, it's the easy stuff. The implementation bit's the hard bit, like getting it done. Like, Well, that's where I think that's where people fall down mm-hmm. because it's a, it could be a time issue. They don't have enough time. Perhaps mm-hmm. they don't know the fundamentals of something as simple as negotiating or doing diligence, identifying data. Or they're and forcing data. the numbers either. Or they're forcing the numbers, as you say, because there's nobody there to speed check them. Mm-hmm. 
and perhaps give them some truth yeah. sometimes. And, and, we, and we get to see that quite a lot where people are saying, what about this particular opportunity? It could be this, this, or this. And we have a, what's the expression? If there's three ifs, we're out. Yeah, we're out. Yeah. And yeah. It, you know, if we get a valuation of this, if the rent is this, or if, yeah. You know, and it's just not worth taking those types of gambles. Mm-hmm. So the acquisition or the implementation, as you say, is so, so critical. But there also then comes the time where you need to consolidate, take a breath, yep. relax, let things settle down, whether that looks like one day or five years, mm-hmm. whatever it may be to you, the consolidation phase for me is almost equally as important as the acquisition Because that, that's the greatest thing, right? Yep. So it, it, that's where it requires the most patience because you've been buying regularly until you've reached the consolidation phase, whether it is consolidation, then you're starting to acquire again, but it takes true grit to actually stop buying Oh, because you feel sure. like you're missing out. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's almost like you're strapping a contract to your arm like a nicotine patch. To, <laughs> to it's, just a, it's, just a, it's just a shift of, it's just a, a shift of, of um, energy because then mm-hmm. it's all about paying down your debt. That's right. You know, oh, no, no, is, not, not, necessarily, not necessarily because you might only be consolidating for a period of two years as an example before okay. you start to acquire again because you might be consolidating. So because consolidation, so it's like a, you know, absolutely squiggly yeah. line, right? So yeah. it's it's kind of acquisition, consolidate, acquisition, consolidate, acquisition, consolidate, mm-hmm. and it could go on for however long it needs to. But the consolidation time for me is where people lose the money. Yeah. Because they think, well, I'm consolidating, I'll take a breath, I'll take my eye off the ball, I'll relax. When I've got quite a few properties under my belt, I'm Big Mick and I'm going to spend money. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just, I'll just take my eye off the ball and I'm not going to worry about the money because it's kind of looking after itself or I know where the costs are. But it's at that point where it becomes dangerous because if you let it be too passive, you'll miss out on opportunity of Mm -hmm. cash flow or perhaps liquidity or market movements, whatever it may look like, but that's where the people lose their money. And then as a result of that, they say, well, you know, this thing's not for me, I'll I'll move out, I'll, I'll sell it. Yeah, too early or old. Well, they change their strategy because they heard something. There's next shiny things because crypto's in favour or whatever yeah, it may be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at uh, talking about consolidation, there's several types of consolidation. One consolidation is you actually stop buying, right? Mm. You don't buy anything for one, two, three, five years. The other type of consolidation is actually going back to your portfolio and perhaps shoring up your cash flow by building that yeah. granny flat or doing that subdivision or, or, or doing that renovation to boost up your rents. And then, of course, the um, third type of consolidation is actually restructuring your finance. Mm. Because often, as you're building up your portfolio, as you're doing your acquisition, right, that's, that's in its acquisition mode. It's your stable portfolio. You're trying to grab the properties in a planned way, as quickly as possible, given the market and moving with the market. And then you may then go back and say, okay, I'm starting to get out of my interest-only period or my loans are now a bit top-heavy. Let's go and restructure our finance. Let's go to another bank and let's see see how much equity we can harvest back to then start getting ready for the next phase, whilst also reducing our cash flow from an interest payment point of view. So trying to get the cheapest rate possible based on your scenario. Just because someone else has got a three and a half percent doesn't mean that you would get a three and a half percent. Well, it's interesting you say that because our question that I want to answer from you guys today is around that, but we'll touch it towards the back end of the podcast. Just getting back to designing your decade. So it's okay to reset your decade every quarter when you review your portfolio. You can either reset it, you can do whatever you want to. It's just, Mm. I suppose the whole review and the whole quarterly thing for me is just keeping in touch. Mm. And if you need to pivot, you need to pivot. If you need to do nothing, you need to do nothing. It could take, when I sit down with the clients and if I'm doing a review, it could take 15 minutes, it could take half a day. Mm. It just depends on the complexity of the portfolio and the, mm-hmm. and the person well, involved. What are the red flags in Steve that you might need to pivot? 
what would you see where you say, oh, hang on a second, maybe this plan isn't going as well as what it should do? It's usually around cash flow. Yeah. More often than not. And the cash flow has- So if you start hurting, it's normally an indicator that- Yeah. And look, sometimes things change in your life, which puts you in a different Mm -hmm. cash flow position. Mm. Um, And that, yeah, whilst it may be unfortunate, it is just a fact of life, but- Hence, why it's important to get the cash flow right in terms of the portfolio to begin with, because yeah. the the degree of hurt is where the danger is. So usually it is around cash flow, and if there's enough in the portfolio to sustain future changes, whether that be more kids, education, private schooling, yeah, a whatever. unit of curability, whatever it may be, mm. as long as there is something there to help facilitate that, as opposed to saying, you know what, this is all too much. Mm-hmm. things have changed in my life, whether it be a sickness or whatever, I'm just out. And that's okay if, if that be the, the choice, but it's better to be ahead of the game than being reacting. Well, you've probably seen this, Victor, when, and I'm all, I'm all for planning and designing your decade. I think it's a great initiative. Everyone should be doing it. But you must see a lot of property investors where the plan starts to control them rather than them controlling Absolutely. the plan, where Absolutely. they just become so obsessed by it mm-hmm. that it becomes a detrimental Yep. Um, component to, to how they are as investor. What do you do? How do you, how do you know when you're falling into that trap? Well, I'm, I'm a strong advocate of that, you know, investing should happen in the background, life should happen in the forefront, right? Mm. Because you don't get that life back. However, you still need to concentrate on furthering your portfolio. If it becomes all consuming in the sense that that's all you do day in, day out, uh, you know, all your weekends are fully consumed by the property, the next property you're going to acquire and all that. You need to take a rain check. You but don't, to, don't you sort of sit down on a Sunday night? I do. And I do. go yeah. through your but portfolio. That, that, that's my- That's my- That's your I find it tedious, to be honest. It, it is my way of keeping an eye on my portfolio. And we're not talking just a handful of properties, right? So it's important that I have the thing on the pulse because- that's where people go wrong is if they've got a vacant property they don't know about. If there's a you renovation sound that's like running late. about me at the moment right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side, I quite like your philosophy mm. around, you know, you got to let life be life and you shouldn't invest for your life, right? You know, yeah. it's- um, Yeah, but some people enjoy that. I, got, I can think of a handful of clients that yeah, are so- Driven. So driven, so intense, so involved with their portfolio, like literally 24-7, that's what they think about. They exist cool. elsewhere, mm-hmm. but, but the, the portfolio is for them. Well, that's their hobby. That's their interest. Then yeah. That's okay. And that is okay, but yeah, I'd probably suggest you get a little bit of life. little property mm-hmm. life balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this philosophy of yours, Victor, is this something that you've just evolved over time or you've always sort of been that way around? Don't let – you invest in property for mm-hmm. a reason. What, I imagine yeah. you invest in property for wealth creation. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe wealth creation, wealth, lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah, it, it does give me a good lifestyle. So it gives, yeah. gives you a good lifestyle, you a good mm-hmm. lifestyle but you yeah. don't let it control mm-hmm. the lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't start out this way. It was – property was all consuming for me in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. I, I – um, did all the courses there were. I read, I've read all the, the book, books. Victor. Yeah, that's good. About yeah. time, man. Eh? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I did all the courses and all that uh, and, you know, became a consumer of knowledge mm. rather than taking action. And then when I started taking action, I took action too fast. And also that was it. Like all I did was talk and breathe and live properly. And before we knew it, uh, you know, my wife and I looked back and we'd gone 10 years. We hadn't started a family. When we had invites for parties or not, we'd always say no. So the invites stopped coming in that sense. So that's why I'm saying, don't forget to live life. Don't let this consume, uh, consume <laughs> Sorry, you. I'm smiling. <laughs> it's so, yeah. so you just- So, so right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we then had to go out and then play catch up, right? And, and then you look at uh, what we missed out on. Mm. We could have had a better balance in terms of yeah, 
we would have probably achieved the very same result if we had a more planned approach in the beginning. But wouldn't, wouldn't some people say that's just delayed gratification and that's what everyone should be chasing these days? There's like, delayed gratification and there's obsession. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so but you're obsessed. If you're obsessed. I think I'll sit on the couch now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a lay down. It, yeah. um, I think, though, the delayed gratification is coming back for the designer decade mm. piece is that the decade, 10 years just- It goes fast. It goes by. quickly. Yeah. And especially when you've got sort of hurt money mm. involved, it's over in a blink of an eye. So getting it right to begin with and then riding that decade through- until you start to reap the rewards, mm. because often the rewards come in that second decade. Yeah, absolutely. And that's me being quite conservative, because that's mm. when the compound effect happens of mm. growth and, and what have you. But as Vic says, don't get too OCD on it. You can enjoy it, right? You, you know, have to it enjoy it. Mm. Investing probably shouldn't be a chore. No. It should be something that you enjoy doing. Well, it is. And, and it may not be just property. It might be a combination of property and shares or mm-hmm. ETFs or licks or whatever it may be. Yeah. It's just getting the balance right will hold you. Then you don't have a mental breakdown. Mm. Over oh, your, I've seen people portfolio. who probably go, you know, have some significant, put themselves in circumstances where they're overstretched and that and impacts on their lives and their relationships and all this sort of stuff, right? You don't want to be- We, we see it a lot. And usually yeah. that's around- but That's about designing your decade as well. You're designing your decade should be, I shouldn't let investing in property impact on my mental health and well-being. Right? Well, 100%. Mm. And there's no tongue in cheek. That's a serious mm. matter, I believe. It, um, Especially when interest rates start rising, correct. you see a lot more of that. Correct. Yeah. But it usually comes around greed, ego, mm-hmm. or speculation. Yeah. Because there's a difference between being opportunistic and being speculative. And sometimes when that just it just all looks a little bit, you know, there's a big profit here or mm-hmm. this could be the difference. I could do this and I could do that. And suddenly some of the diligence starts to get watered mm-hmm. down and the tunnel vision yep. is all around the negative. So I quite like this concept of design your decade, Victor. I know you guys sort of write about this, talk about this. Uh, your website, uh, rightpropertygroup.com.au. I'm sure I can go there and find some Absolutely. stuff around it. And, and, and that is part of the process we take our clients through mm-hmm. when they when engage. And after they've engaged, the constant reviews help keep them on track as well. Yeah, and I think it's good. It's good to have someone in your corner as mm-hmm. a property investor, myself included. Um, unfortunately, though, you guys quite well, so. You know, it's important. I think you, you, mm-hmm. whether it's just just you know that's the stress testing of the strategy, stress testing of your perception around it at any given time, and also stress testing of your your relationship with property. It's good to get someone to critique that sometimes yeah, because absolutely. you can get obsessed by it. But um, I'm um, not going to leave that one down. Am I? No, 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 no. But so, any questions around this? I can contact sure. you guys. Questions yeah. at questions right, at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Okay, go and check it out. Um, do that. And the questions that we received from Jake S. I won't use your last name. So Jake S. Really, Steve, it's um, a very timely question. He's saying there's been a couple of interest rate cuts. Should I fix my mortgages? Mm. Short answer depends on what, or depends. Yeah. Depends on what the property's purpose is. It could be, I think we had something similar this last time around. Because we had another rate cut since, right? right? So Yeah. And uh, look, if, if you plan to perhaps harvest the equity out of the property or, or build a secondary income, whatever it may be, I'd like to keep it variable to give myself options. Mm. If, however, you are- you're looking for that sleep at night component where you know your biggest expenditure, as we talked about before, and you're happy with it. 
Why don't you go 50-50, fix half, yeah. leave, leave but, but the other this half variable? Also, and, 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 Victor, I sort of beforehand you, you sort of spoke briefly about this and I sort of stopped saying we'll get to it. This idea that you watch TV and there's always someone on, on there trying to flog you a home loan saying mm-hmm. if your rate hasn't got a three in front of it now, you're overpaying. Mm. It doesn't really hold no, true no, no. for all property uh, it, investors, it, it right? It depends on your circumstances, mm. right? So slowly but surely we are moving towards uh, risk-based uh, rates with the banks. So you, if you're an investor, obviously you're paying a little bit more if you've got a larger portfolio, absolutely you're paying a bit more. And then it also reduces the number of lenders you can go to mm. as well in terms of which entity you're holding the property. I mean, as an example, a couple of lenders we're dealing with, Steve, where they don't want to see us uh, in our personal um, holdings, but uh, in a company holdings, yeah, I think, absolutely. I think you and I talked about that la- last time, Phil, yeah. like, because I, they happy won't- to, Happy in the trust structure, but they wouldn't yeah, love the tr- Yeah, but yeah. go back 12 months ago, it was the other way around. Yeah. And that's just how fickle- Yeah. The, the credit That's environment right. is. But I think the big thing that people need to watch out for is not so much the cost of money because we know that will continue to be relatively low for the immediate future. It's when APRA puts their head back into the game and starts to restrict mm-hmm. the flow of money from the banks to the consumer. I think that's going to be that well, little What we're on that is an interesting point. You said the day before how the ACCC is now getting involved telling the banks, hey, you've got to be passing on these these interest rate cuts because mm-hmm. we're trying to stimulate the economy and the banks are going, no, get stuffed. Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. they've got to report to the shareholders and, yeah. and that whole vicious circle goes around and around mm. and around. Look, I think I think with um, property investors in general, right, if you're doing constant reviews and, and, and talking to the professionals, one of the key things that will be highlighted, especially, especially if you're top-heavy and, and you haven't restructured your finance and you needed a restructure because the cash flow is starting to dry up or there's an imminent change coming, there is a big change coming in the banking system from 1st of November, which is part of the Royal Commission, which is up till now, most banks, especially if you are a sophisticated investor and especially going to the business banking section, they looked at only a section of your exposure. They didn't look at all of your exposure. Mm. So what's going to change now is that when you go into, say, your business banking section, they will still treat you as if you're going into a standard home loan section, which means let's say you own 10 properties. They will want, regardless of entity, they will want statement, they will want rates notices, they will want uh, your rental statements for every single one. So the paperwork becomes astronomical. I'm already there now. It's yeah. an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. Absolute nightmare. It's yeah. just nearly inhibitive, right? Like it makes you want well, to go, I don't want to right. yeah. Well, it has, you, know. you have put it on the back burner like a dozen times because it was just, yeah. just too hard. Life. Yeah, exactly. Know? And that's probably part of the desired effect mm-hmm. that they're that they're looking for. But, you know, we've always said it's a game of finance, probably mm-hmm. since the vehicle. Absolutely. Yeah. I just so you design your decade through a game of finance. That's finance is it's certainly a big the, part the of it. Yeah. It's mm. pretty good. So, Victor, again, what's happening with you guys? Uh, check out what, what you're up to. You're still doing your stuff in Sydney, Melbourne. You're by weekly are they? No, it's now quarterly. Now quarterly? Yeah, yeah quarterly. Face to face events, um, live events. We also have a, um, obviously this podcast on a, on a mm. monthly basis and then webinars. Uh, webinars as well. So the, the podcast I was checking out last, the other night I was on the couch watching uh, Bride and Prejudice or whatever it was, which is the most miserable show. Pride and Prejudice. Bride and Prejudice. It's where um, people don't want their kids to get married or somewhere other for whatever prejudice they've got. Anyway, I don't know much about it, but I was actually looking at iTunes um, 
rankings on this particular podcast and it made me I looked at some of the reviews and there's quite a few coming through but people always ask us how they can help out with the podcast um one thing you can do is keep those reviews coming uh, on iTunes we get a real kick out of it it's really cool uh, it's good to hear what we're doing with this uh, podcast is resonating and hopefully making more informed property investors which is what this is all about isn't it Stephen absolutely so keep them coming Victor anything to close with uh, as we sign off yeah, if you've today. got keep those questions coming questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au brilliant and Steve thanks for your time today thank you we'll be back again next month until then bye bye the information featured in this podcast is general in nature does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon before making any investment insurance tax property or financial planning decision you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you